following message is presented by First Baptist Church of Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.fbcmc.org. Now the message. So we've been talking about the topic of victory, and uh, tonight we're going to talk about the smell of victory. What does victory smell like? Uh, why does God give us the victory? Why does God allow us to sing songs like victory in Jesus? Uh, it's all for his glory. It's all for him to work through us and in the lives of others. So all throughout the Bible, you see these analogies. You see the writers uh, trying to personify the things that they are talking about. Uh, there's many perceptions that are found in the Bible, many of our senses uh, that we have as human beings, uh, taste, sight, touch, hearing, and smell, they're all recorded and they're all used uh, throughout the scripture to some sense. Uh, Psalms 34a, you see two of them mentioned, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good and how blessed is the man who trusts in him. Uh, John, when he wrote, wrote the book of Revelation, he was given a heavenly vision of Things yet to come. So God was using his sight. He was giving him a vision, allowing him to see these things. Uh, a lot of times we see the sense of touch. Uh, we see the hand of God moving in someone's life. We see the hand of God resting upon someone. Uh, most of the time it's the right hand of God that is moving uh, in a person's life. And, and Jesus himself, when he was here on this earth in his healing ministry, uh, he demonstrated the power of touch. Uh, in Matthew nine twenty nine, 29, uh, although they could not see Jesus because they were blind, they definitely felt the power of his touch as he touched their eyes and healed them and made them to see again. Hearing uh, that we're discussing on Sunday mornings, uh, Isaiah 30, 21 says that your ears shall hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, go in it and walk in it. And then, of course, Romans 10, 17, that says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Paul often described the, the church as a human body. He, he gave it a human analogy of the human body, uh, talking about the eyes used for seeing, the ears for hearing. The eyes cannot become an ear. Um, and he used each one of the body parts to represent a, someone uh, accomplishing something in the church. But, but in and of itself, smells, um, they're, they're not typically found in the Bible. Compared to the rest of the senses that the writers uses in Scripture, uh, the, the, the sense of smell uh, is very rarely used itself. Smells in and of themselves, uh, they can be good or they can be bad sometimes, very bad sometimes. Uh, the path that I take when I'm doing my runs, I've gotten to where I'll leave from the house and run out to Lake End Park. And there's a stretch along through there. Uh, there's a detour going on right now. The traffic's pretty heavy. But most of the time, it's it's pretty desolate. Uh, not a whole lot of traffic involved. And I just enjoy running there because it kind of gets me out away from where all the houses and homes are. It kind of gets me out in the woods, so to speak. Uh, I used to like to spend a lot of times in the wood because I enjoy the smells that you'd experience out there. The fresh dirt, uh, the leaves, different plants giving off their fragrances and their odors. And so when I'm running on this stretch, I get all these different smells. And uh, it, it depends on which area of the road I'm at, whether it's a low-lying area. You can smell kind of the musty uh, bog where there's a, a body of water at. 
You can smell some of the different plants in this area. But every now and then I'll run across an area where someone has uh, thrown something out that they probably should not have, especially during crawfish season. Uh, when they have those crawfish balls, they'll just take that stuff and dump it out by the road. Boy, that's something that you want to avoid. So it kind of increases my speed a little bit when I hit a spot like that. So all throughout these runs, I experience these different smells, these different scents. Some of them are good and some of them not so good. So Paul here in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, he, he uses this, the, the, the sense of smell uh, to describe the triumph that we experience in Christ. He says, when you do experience this victory, when you experience this triumph, there's something that diffuses a fragrance from the life of a believer. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 2, beginning in verse 12, he says this. He kind of starts off moving in one direction. He talks about a, a distressful situation that he runs into. We covered most of this uh, on Wednesday nights in our book, in the study of the book of Acts in chapter 17. But he says, furthermore, when I came to Troas uh, to preach Christ's gospel, a door was opened to me uh, by the Lord. I had no rest in my spirit because I did not find Titus my brother, but taking my leave of them, I departed for Macedonia. So here's the first thing that I want you to see in this passage. Number one, our, our Christian influence will be ineffective when we idly sit by in distress. Paul was in a little bit of distress here because he arrived to this area. He was looking for Titus because he had left Titus behind and wrote a letter specifically to uh, the church at Corinth, giving them some warnings, giving them some guidelines. Uh, but during this time in verse 13, he says, I had no rest in my spirit. He was uneasy because he couldn't find Titus. He couldn't get their support. So to be able to get his mind off of this situation, uh, the Lord gave him uh, this open door here that he's talking about. Uh, we read back in Acts 17 that he was looking for Titus to get a firsthand report of just how the people had responded to his first epistle, his first letter that he had written to them. And as he searched and searched and searched, he could not find Titus. And then the tension level began to rise. You ever get stressed over anything? You ever get tense over certain situations? You go to looking for something, you're late for an appointment, you can't find your cell phone, you can't find your car keys, and just the tension level begins right. What kind of fragrance do you give off at a time like that? Probably not a very pleasant one. Probably not a very Christ-like aroma at that time. Uh, most of us deal with patience issues. And I think that's what Paul was dealing with here. He said, look, man, I was stressed out. I came here for one purpose, to get a report. And I think the Lord sensed that. And so before Paul lost his cool, before he lost his train of thought, before he really lost his focus, God gave him a good aspect and another object to focus on. He, he said, I came here, I was looking for Titus, but when I reached that point to where I was had no rest in my spirit, I was in distress. The Lord gave me another open door that allowed me to take my focus off of this one situation and put it on something positive. So a different aroma was given off. What open doors have you experienced lately? Has there ever been a time when you just didn't know where to go? You didn't know what to do? You didn't know why these things were happening? And all of a sudden God shifts gears and he, he focuses your attention in another area? 
Maybe someone comes along that needs your help. Maybe someone comes along that needs some advice. They're talking to you. They're trying to get help. They don't know where to go. And all of a sudden, all the worries shift off of your problems. And God gives you that open door to minister to that person. You're no longer stinking. You don't have a bad attitude. But instead, you're acting like Jesus and you're taking time to take care of that opportunity that God has opened up for you. So what open doors have you experienced here lately in your life? Do you recognize those open doors? What open doors have you missed in the past? We, we all have those times when we look back on our lives and say, you know what, if, if I hadn't been uh, sitting around with such a stinky attitude, I, I would have recognized that open door that the Lord gave me. Don't, don't spend your time in a distressed situation. Don't, don't spend your time simmering over things that you really don't have a whole lot of control over. Instead, ask God to give you that open door. God, I don't know what's going on, but give me an opportunity. Give me a way out. Give me an avenue in which I can use the gifts and talents that you blessed me with. And I can be the hands and feet of Jesus. Instead of sitting around twiddling my thumbs, worried about this situation that I don't have any control over, God, give me something else to focus on that will bring honor and glory to you. And after he leaves verses 12 and 13, Paul seems to just kind of abruptly switch gears and he goes into a different train of thought altogether. In verse 14, he says this, he says, Now thanks be to God, even during this distressing situation, even during this time when he had no rest in his spirit, Paul was able to sit back and said, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. And through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Point number two, the goal for our lives is to allow the good news of the gospel to be diffused. What does it mean to be diffused? It means to be dispersed. It means that whatever is inside of you is being fanned out across the whole area. And basically what you're doing is you're changing the fragrance of the area around you. Many of you have these little items in your home, uh, these little plug-in uh, air fresheners. Uh, they just gently warm up. They wick out the oil that is normally in there. And as you can see, this one has no oil in it whatsoever. So it's of no good. You can plug this in all day long and you're not going to get anything out of it because it's completely empty. And that's the way we are sometimes when we allow ourselves to go empty. We have nothing to diffuse. We have nothing to disperse. We have nothing in our lives to share with others. So the best thing that we can do is keep ourselves filled up with the Holy Spirit. Spending time in prayer. Spending time in God's Word. Spending time fellowshipping with other believers. And when we accomplish that, boy, I can smell it already. I just pulled the cap off of it. And when that takes place, when we do proper self-care and maintenance, spending time nurturing our spirit, then we have something that impacts everyone around us. When people walk by, they notice it. Man, what is that smell? What is that fragrance that's coming out? Is that you that smells like that? 
But we have got to take the time to listen to God, spend time in his word, and make sure that we are keeping ourselves properly maintained. See, that's what the Apostle Paul spent his time doing. He was constantly pouring into other people. Everything that he had, everything that God would give him, everything that God would allow him, he would diffuse it to those around him. If it wasn't one-on-one with someone that he was mentoring, you think about Timothy, you think, think about Silas, you think about all the people that he went on these mission trips with. He was diffusing what God had poured into him into other people. But at the same time, he was looking for other people who would encourage him as well and pour into his life, pray for him, make sure that he never, ever ran empty. Paul said he was poured out sometimes just like that uh, at sacrifice. He said, I was poured out on the altar. I was emptied. I gave until I had nothing else left. But we can't afford to let ourselves get like that. We can't let, afford to let ourselves go completely empty and completely dry because then we will have nothing at all to diffuse the fragrance of Christ around the people that we should be around. When it's empty, it does no good. When you are empty, you do absolutely no good to anyone else. Personal care is essential. You've got to spend time in renewal, refreshing, refocusing, and sometimes even retreating. From time to time, to all would take these little times to get by. Even Jesus himself would have a retreat on a regular basis to get along with the Father. Because all throughout the day, he would pour into the crowds. He would pour into the disciples. But in that morning... In that quiet time, he would get up and we'd have his own little personal retreat, his own quiet time to make sure that he didn't run empty, that God would continuously fill him up and make him effective in his ministry efforts. How do we spend that time in renewal and refreshing? Revivals are a good way to do it. That's why we have revivals from time to time. That's why we have our associational unity revivals. We can pour into you. People can pour into us. We can be blessed with the music from other people. We can be around other believers in our association. Sunday school, small groups, whether you meet here on Sunday mornings or whether you meet during the week with a small group, uh, that's a good way to keep yourself renewed and refocused and refreshed so you can properly diffuse yourself to other people throughout the day. You can diffuse the gospel of Jesus Christ, the fragrance of Christ at your workplace or at your school or wherever you may be. It's a good way to hold yourself accountable to others as well. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 4. Peter has something to say about somewhat being diffused with the gifts that God had given us. 1 Peter chapter 4. Beginning in verse 7. He says, But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. It's a very enjoyable fragrance to have being diffused no matter where you're at. He says, Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Verse 10 is the key here of being diffused. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold 
grace of God. What does a manifold do? A manifold takes one channel that is being poured into it and distributes it to multiple places. It's like one of those power cords you plug into the wall and you can plug in multiple devices on it. Just like your water line in your house, it comes in through one main line and then it is evenly distributed to the places where you need it at throughout your home. An exhaust manifold on a car, all the exhaust from the engine comes in from several different places and it channels it all out through the catalytic converter and the muffler and exhausts it at the end of your vehicle. The gifts that God has given to us, are they evenly distributed? Are they manifold? Are they going through a manifold of being dispersed and diffused properly? What about your fragrance? What about your smell? What about your scent? Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses, through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Can you say that about your life? Are you, can you say that you are diffusing the fragrance of Christ in every place you go? Or are you running around on empty with nothing to give out to anyone else? What type of scent comes from your life? Have you ever watched a, a scene from a movie where a prisoner has escaped? What's the first thing they do? They bring out the bloodhounds and then they try to find an article of clothing or something that that person has used, the person who has escaped is used. They let the dogs get a good scent of that. Why is that? Because they want those dogs to be focused on one trail and one trail only because that person who has escaped, they have left a scent trail that if those dogs can pick it up, it will lead it right to that person. What kind of a scent trail are you leaving behind? Is it easy to tell where you have been? Or are there signs that you have been in a particular place? Do you leave a scent trail that glorifies the Father? I can think about a time when uh, Aaron was a very little boy. We talk about scents and scent trails that are left behind. As soon as he was old enough to go with me to the deer stand... Uh, I started bringing him. But boy, I, I used to answer all kind of questions whenever he'd go into the deer stand with me. And uh, we used to put on stuff and, and we'd cover up our scent. I'd have to explain to him, well, you know, the deer can smell us. I don't want the deer smelling us. We give off a fragrance. Our bodies give off a natural odor that they can detect. They'll know and they won't come around if they smell it. And it had been a long, long time since we had seen any deer. I hadn't been able to... Uh, shoot a deer while he was in the stand with me until one evening uh, I thought it was about to run out. He was laying on the floor sleeping and a couple of deer walked out in the shooting lane. And I woke him up. I showed him. I made him put his earmuffs on and I made the shot. I thought it was a good clean shot. But boy, they all run out of the shooting lane and couldn't find nothing. We went down there finally and started looking around and he found the trail of blood before I did. And we'd we tracked it and tracked it and tracked it and never could find it. And I had a friend that lived pretty close to the hunting lease. I said, well, let's go get Mr. Jim and his dog, Rosie. And his dog, Rosie, will take us right to where that deer went. And, boy, I could tell the wheels were turning. I was fixing to get some questions off this one. He said, well, well, Daddy, how, how will this dog take us to where that deer is at? I said, well, the dogs can smell better than us. They're closer to the ground. They know what the deer smell like. They've been trained to lock in on the deer's scent. They can smell it long before we can. And that dog will take us right up to where the deer is at. 
Boy, I can tell. He was fixing to come up with a question. He said, well, Daddy, he said, uh, I can smell that deer. I said, oh, this is going to be good. <laughs> I said, you can, buddy. I said, well, are you going to be able to take us to that deer? He said, I might be able to. I said, well, tell me exactly what does a deer smell like? He said, sausage. <laughs> I knew I had a meat hunter. <laughs> What kind of a fragrance do you give up? We, we as believers, we as Christians, we as followers of Jesus Christ, we should give off an aroma that, that attracts people to the gospel. It, it, should be, it shouldn't be anything that is a deterrent. It shouldn't be anything. It shouldn't be one of the bad smells that, that pushes people away. But as we talk, as we conduct ourselves, there should be a type of aroma that is diffused in the area where we're at. Where people will recognize and say, that is unusual. That is something I don't normally see around here. What, what is that that's going on? And through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Everywhere that you go, that should be taking place. Is the fragrance of Christ diffused through your conversation, through your actions, and overall Christ-like disposition? It should be a natural reaction. It should be something that is naturally occurring in your life. It should be diffused constantly no matter where you go. Not only should people be able to recognize it, but most importantly, if Jesus came back, would he recognize it himself? Would he know that you belong to him? Have you ever seen an old mama cat or an old mama dog? She goes up to where her puppies or her, her kittens are, and the first thing she does is start smelling. They, she can recognize the smell of those that actually belong to her. There's a fragrance that is diffused. There's a smell and aroma that is diffused that that mama cat or that mama dog can recognize right away. She said, that one's mine. That one's mine. That one there, it don't smell like mine. And she knows right away. And that's the way it is with Jesus Christ. When he comes back, and I believe he's coming back soon, what kind of a fragrance, what kind of aroma are you going to be found diffusing? There's something I keep taped to the cover of my Bible. It's something I read for a number of years. Perhaps you've read it before. I don't know who wrote it. I never have been able to track down the uh, original author of it. It's not a rhyme. It's not a story. But it's called The Fellowship of the Unashamed. And it's based off of Romans 1.16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Here's what it has to say. It says, I'm a part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have the Holy Spirit power. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. And my future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tame visions, mundane talking, chintzy giving, and dwarfed goals. 
I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudits, or popularity. I don't have to be right, first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by presence, lean by faith, love by patience, lift by prayer, and labor by power. My pace is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven, my road is narrow, my way is rough, my companions few, my guide reliable, my mission clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, deterred, lured away, turned back, diluted, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice. Hesitate in the presence of adversity. Negotiate at the table of the enemy. Ponder at the pool of popularity or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, back up, let up, or shut up until I've preached up, prayed up, paid up, stored up, and stayed up for the cause of Christ. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. I must go until he returns. Give until I drop. Preach until all know and work until he comes. And when he comes to get his own, he will have no problem recognizing me. My colors will be clear. And might I add to that, not only will my colors be clear, but the aroma of Christ will be diffused from me and he'll be able to recognize just by the aroma that I'm giving off that I belong to him. And I hope you can say that about your life as well. What happens when we fail to serve the law? What is some of the things that kind of uh, reduce the Christ-like aroma that we should be given off? I think when we fail to fulfill the Great Commission, that's when our aroma changes from a pleasant Christ-like aroma to a stench in the nostrils of God. Point number three, when we fail to fulfill the Great Commission, our Christianity begins to decompose. Verses 15 through 16, he says, For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one we are the aroma of death leading to death, and the other the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? As long as you are alive and moving and continuing to go forward, your faith is active. I think that that aroma is being diffused and dispersed properly the way it should. The way God wants to work through you and allow the aroma of Christ to be diffused through you. But I think that when you cease living your life for the Lord, working for his kingdom, that is when your faith begins to die and decompose and begin giving those scents that aren't as pleasant as they should be. James says that faith without works is dead. That means the body has ceased to live, it has ceased to exist, and is beginning the decomposition process. You remember in John chapter 11 when Jesus was at the 
tomb of Lazarus. Jesus had intentionally delayed his arrival so that God would be glorified even more. Lazarus had been dead for four days already when Jesus showed up. And then when Jesus stood before the tomb, he commanded them to roll the stone away. Remember what Martha had to say? Lord, he's been in there four days. Surely there's what? There's a stench in that tomb. Don't do it. Because the smell is going to be awful. We're going to have to experience the smell of death. His body had already began the decomposition process. And she knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that that lifeless body was already producing a stench because he had ceased to exist. It's a picture of us when we cease to putting our Christian efforts to work. Our faith no longer is active, it is inactive. In James chapter 2 verse 26 says that for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. It begins a natural decomposition and it ceases to diffuse that Christ-like aroma any longer. In James, the word dead uh, in the original language is the word necros, which means lifeless, ineffective, powerless. Basically, it is a corpse. It is a dead body that is inactive, useless, and has begun the decomposition process. One of the other things I experience while I'm on the road is every now and then uh, there'll be a possum or armadillo or squirrel that didn't quite make it out across the road as fast as he had originally planned to. And he had been hit by a vehicle. He had been there for a day or two, maybe three or four, and the decomposition has already started and everything around it stinks. The bugs have already started consuming the dead body. Might be a, a few vultures around there trying to pick away at the carcass. But that body, as it lays there on the concrete, is lifeless. And it is producing an aroma that you do not want to be around. That's the way it is with Christians sometimes. When they become inactive in their efforts for God's kingdom, their body begins to decompose and produce a fragrance that is no longer Christ-like. What, what is the worst fragrance that you could possibly think of right now? It's probably that of a decaying body or a corpse or an animal somewhere. When a Christian or a church remains inwardly focused and has no output for their gifts, their talents, and their labor for the Lord and His kingdom, they essentially become lifeless and then begins the process of decomposition and a slow decay. Paul talks about that. He says there's aroma of life leading to life. There's an aroma of death leading to death. That's the reason that the Dead Sea is called the Dead Sea because there is no life-giving water flowing out of it. There's a little bit of water coming into it. It's the lowest spot on the face of earth. It's evaporating just as fast as it goes in. And all that's left is the salt remnants. But there is no output whatsoever. A, a body of water... It has no output to it. No water going out, no fresh water coming in becomes stagnant. 
It becomes dead, it becomes lifeless, and it begins to stink. And so the Christian life, if it has no conduit or no channel of output for its gifts or talents, it also becomes lifeless, becomes stagnant. Point number four. Paul moves on from this illustration of a Christ-like fragrance. Aroma of death and aroma of life. He talks about some of those who are dishonestly using the gospel for personal gain and profit. He says, for we are not as so many peddling the word of God, but as sincerity, but us as from God, we speak in the sight of God in Christ. We should never reach a point, point number four, we should never reach a point to where our evangelism efforts lead to motives that are dishonest. The more that the finances become the priority, the lower the focus will be on winning souls. I think fundraisers have their time and place. I think building projects are good. They have their purpose, but when that becomes the number one goal and the number one priority, we've lost sight of the Great Commission and what God has us here for as a church. The prosperity gospel, people who are writing books, people who are producing movies, all for personal gain, they're out there. And it's hard to tell the difference between who's right and who's wrong, who's honest and who's dishonest. Obviously, the problem hasn't been around. It's been around for a very, very long time. Obviously, this isn't something that has come up recently. Because Paul says right here in verse 17, For we are not, as so many, there must have been quite a few back in that day who had latched on to the gospel enough to where they could turn a profit out of it. He said that they were peddling the word of God. Proper interpretation of that word is to be peddling for a profit. They were utilizing Christianity to make a profitable gain off of it. And it still happens today. And we wonder why so many people think that all the church wants is their money. It's for that reason right there. In all of this that we've talked about, the fragrance that we diffuse on a regular basis. And all of this, I want you to stay focused on verse 14. Verse 14 is the heartbeat of this passage. I think it is the whole essence of what the Apostle Paul was speaking about and writing about here in this epistle. Now, thanks be to God who always, not just from time to time, not just every now and then, but he said God always leads us in triumph, in Christ. And through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. That word triumph means a conquest over opposition. Calls to triumph or to actually lead in a triumphal procession over someone. What is Paul referring to when he says that Christ leads us in 
triumph. There's probably a specific picture in Paul's mind that he's trying to illustrate for us here. Uh, a Roman commander, a general, anytime after a victory, what he would do is he would set up a parade where he would lead the way. And all of the prisoners that he had taken in captivity during that time of that battle and that victory that he had won would be following behind him. This is what I did. This is what I've overcome. These are my prisoners. These are the ones that I've taken in captive. But that Roman general was leading the way. There's the visual of someone leading the way after a victory. But it goes much, much further than that. During these triumphal processions, what they would do is they would light incense along that parade route. To where when that Roman general is marching by, all he can smell is the smell of victory as he's leading the way. And that's the picture that Paul is painting here for us as well. Jesus Christ is leading the way for us. And when we're following behind him, when we know that we are captive by him, we know when we know that we have him in our sights, we smell that smell of victory along the way. Because that's the fragrance that he has given out, and that's the fragrance that he wants to diffuse through us as believers as well. Andrew Murray had this quote to say about victory and how God wants to work through us. The true Christian is one who knows God's power working in himself and finds it has true joy to have the very life of God flow into him and through him and out from him to those around. And that, my friends, for the believer is the true Smell of victory. Jesus Christ has allowed me to overcome death, hell, and the grave through his death on the cross. And when I surrender to him, he flows through me and his fragrance is all anyone smells when I'm around. It's not me, but it's Jesus Christ that is to be honored and glorified the things that I say and the things that I do and in my witness to others as well. Heavenly Father, we just come before you this evening. We thank you so much that you give us the true victory, that victory that only comes through your blood, your shed blood. And we know, Lord God, that uh, we have this victory because you are the one true conqueror. And now, Lord, we want to surrender our lives to you. We ask, Lord God, that you would fill us and allow your manifold grace to be distributed through us to those around us, Lord God. In every way possible, Lord God, let us keep you as the priority in our life. Help us to never become satisfied with mediocrity, Lord God. But help us to press on toward the mark of the high calling that's in Christ Jesus in everything that we do. Lord, to set our sights high, to keep our eyes focused on the Great Commission. To reach the lost and to make disciples. And Lord, to be able to hear your voice above the noise of this world each and every day. Father God, I lift this congregation up to you. I pray that their hearts would be turned toward you. I pray in these upcoming months, Lord God, as we have a lot of outreach opportunities on the calendar, I just pray, Lord God, 
that as often as possible we would share the good news of Jesus Christ with someone. And let them know that there is a sweet, sweet victory that they can experience through a relationship with you. And we just ask it all in the most precious and holy name of Jesus Christ we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. The preceding message was presented by First Baptist Church in Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about First Baptist Church, including contact info, go to the website www.fbcmc.org. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.